Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Afternoon Pancakes, episode 12. My name is Jared Malott. I'm here with my good friend Stephen Reed. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well today. My friend is the day before the Colts play on Thursday night against the biggest whiner fan base of all NFL fans, the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> I think it started the show off well. Certainly Follow me on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> right. Read Steve. Follow Jared at like the alien. Uh, and follow the podcast at Palm Pancake. Yeah, the the Colts play the Tennessee Titans that you know most closely resemble a functional NFL franchise, uh, other than the Colts within our division. Um, and they're our current division leaders, six and two. We'll get to that matchup. Of course, first we do kind of owe uh, the audience. Uh, a review of last week's game. Uh, the Colts, of course, lost at home to the Baltimore Ravens. Final score was 24 to 10. And I uh, want to point out, um, and this is something this is something going on for years now, where uh, I've heard things like. Uh, Lamar Jackson is not a good passer of the football. Or he struggles to do this with the football. Lamar Jackson was 19 for 23. That's a little over 82% completion percentage. Uh, Didn't throw a touchdown. uh, Didn't have an interception. uh, Was sacked a couple times and under duress a lot. I thought the Colts did generate a lot of pressure. A lot of that Colts defensive line against this, you know, broken record to keep talking about it. That Colts defensive line looks real good. Um, And to kind of close that little section of blurb off or whatever, I want to point out that Baltimore defense far and away the better of the defenses the Colts are going to get the remainder of the season. And the Ravens are certainly a team the Colts will see in the playoffs, not just this year, but in the future. That's a, a young football team. Right? So it's not like they're going away and they're flashing the pan. Uh, this is a team that's going to be good for a long time. Um, yeah. And I think we both... Well, and Go ahead. I was going to say, to add to that, like the final score of this game isn't indicative of really how close the game was um, based on just pure stats. The Colts probably should have won this game. Um, they outgained 
the the Ravens 339 yards to 266. The Ravens had the best one of the best rushing attacks. I think it might have been the best rushing attack in the NFL. The Colts only held held them to 110 yards, and oddly enough, the Colts, with all their rushing issues, outgained the uh, Ravens on the ground, 112 to 110. Um, they Ravens had 156 total passing yards. And so the Colts defense, if there's anything we've learned from this past week, it's that the Colts defense is really, really good. That defensive line is great. Grover Stewart deserves his money. Pay that man. Right. And that the officials really apparently hate the Colts. Oh, yeah. And for all the nonsense about the Colts rushing attack, and it is, for the record, ranked like 30th in the NFL right now. Uh, they did average like five yards a carry, and I get it. Uh, DeMichael Harris had a couple carries uh, that were longer runs. But uh, it's it's just worth pointing out that they can do whatever they want to do on offense except score touchdowns in the red zone. Um, and that's, you know, that add to add to their it's like i just posted in that article i wrote i never thought a man that has like a dozen children would have a problem scoring like i just you you'd have thunk that's a clever line i like it thank you like you'd have thunk (laughs) the colts would lead the league and there'd be touchdowns falling out of our assholes that's literally what i thought was coming when the Colts signed Philip Rivers, I was like, oh, he he kind of he's better at that dink and dunk thing. Right. Like he's he's not just waiting to the last second and taking a dump off to get two yards like he actually knows what the correct play is and he gets the ball out quick. And now that I've kind of seen it in action through, you know. Eight games, um, I hate to be that guy, but I'm afraid I'm going to start being that guy. Uh, The Colts do not employ the correct tight end for the offense that they want to run. No. They need a better athlete at quarterback. And you know who would be hilarious at this point? Kaepernick. I'm just saying. He's big guy, (laughs) big arm, makes all the throws, and a better athlete than you have on the roster. But I'm I'm not saying he's going, it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. Got too much money no. wrapped up a quarterback this year. Yeah, you, you're kind of eating what you got, but no, not only you have too much money wrapped up in quarterback this year, you've got three quarterbacks on your roster that they, mm-hmm. they're holding. So there's about no shot that they're signing Kaepernick. Um, one thing I, I want to bring up, I, I don't like I, the Ravens game frustrated me. Oh yeah, because the they scored both of their touchdowns. Um, or two of their three touchdowns because they what 24 points. So their 14 point differential was directly caused by turnovers. So you obviously had the Jonathan Taylor um, fumble that got returned for a touchdown, which in and of itself was frustrating for me um, because, you know, that's been, that was his big knock coming into the season. I don't think he's really had one. Nope. Um, I don't think he's had one this year. And so on the first one, they bench him effectively, which I thought was a bit extreme. I think that was the exact wrong decision to make. Uh, in terms of trying to build up his confidence. Uh, I, I likened it in our Slack chat to saying, you know, whenever you know, you had Peyton or, or or Luck back there, 
and a receiver would drop a ball, what do you do? Throw right back at him. You go right back to him. Like, you, you don't sit there and bench him because he drops a ball. You don't bench somebody because they have a fumble, unless it, unless it's a major issue. And, right. like, it's like their third, fourth, fifth fumble of the season. You're like, all right, we can't keep doing this. You got to get this under control. I thought it was the exact wrong move for them to bench Jonathan Taylor this week for the fumble, uh, especially after effectively benching him last week. It, it felt like, even though they said that he was a little bit dinged up um, after the game, it seemed more like a benching last week. It definitely was a benching this week. And so that really frustrates me from trying to build up his confidence, trying to get some, get him some reps. Like he's going to be your bell cow. Right. That, that he is your future at running back. You drafted him in the second round and traded up to get him. Do not bench him for a single mistake. Like, right. and that's what gets me is that if this was like a, fourth, fifth fumble on the season, you know, 10 games in, and he's fumbling every other game. Okay, we've got some issues. The fact is, this is what, their eighth game of the season? Yeah. And, and it was basically so, 300 touches, too. So, like... 300, 300 touches, eighth game of the season, dude goes down, is he's going down the ground, he's got yep. three guys in there, I think, all had their hands in, and they were able to get it loose. And, you know, it sucks that it happened, but you don't just crush a kid, like crush a rookie's confidence after he doesn't have a training camp, after he doesn't have the opportunity to really get reps. The important thing for him right now is even against a good defense like the Ravens, maybe especially against a good defense like the Ravens, is to get those reps. The Colts aren't going to play as good a defense as the Ravens for the rest of the season, I don't think. You know, maybe the Titans um, you know, this week and in two weeks from now, but Outside of the Titans and the Ravens are the only great eh, Steelers, I guess. Now I'm rethinking this statement. Anyway, no, they're not. They're not. Uh, like, like the Ravens defense pass, is legit. The Ravens defense is very good, but the Colts for the next five weeks, that's what I was when I told you when I couldn't get a hold of you there and I was recording my own podcast. I was sitting there saying, like, listen, the next five weeks are the softest five weeks uh, Philip Rivers will see uh, all year long. In terms of secondaries, yeah. uh, the Ravens are yeah, just good. The Ravens are, are good, and, so, and they've always good. been good in the secondary. Yeah, like, and, and remember, thing. not only did they get the gift of Lamar Jackson, I was thinking about that this today. Not only did they get the gift of Lamar Jackson, they also got Patrick Queen. So, like, mm-hmm. that's an offensive and defensive player that I watched play in college and was like, gonna be a big deal in the NFL, and. Baltimore. Yeah, you were all hope. on Patrick Queen. Because in that Clemson game, defense. he was chasing them guys down. And you're like, dude, that's that's Trevor Lawrence is the team. He's the next guy to also own a Major League Baseball franchise. You know what I mean? Like, he's mm-hmm. he's a guy that's that franchise are going to bet their whole farm on. And uh, Patrick Queen, uh, Queen was out there chasing him around, chasing him down. And, and you're just like, hey, <laughs> this kid can ball. Um, but yeah, the, the, the Ravens are going to be good. And here, here's the bigger, the bigger picture, uh, is, is something that we, we've got to discuss. Cause a lot of, a lot of fans, even, even our buddies at Stampy Blue are so temperamental and so, <laughs> and so week to week. Let me, let me rephrase it for this for you. They are fiery in their passion Ooh. and they are not afraid to let loose in the Slack chat. Ooh. So like 
when hey they're like when jared and i are the voice of reason yeah. we're like hey guys hold up <laughs> like it's not you guys that are, bad <laughs> those of us have, that have listened to the podcast for the two years now that we've been running it we can get pretty excited about things yeah. um to say that these guys needed us to calm them down is a little bit you can guess mm-hmm. where they where they went with it, but yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people are I think overstating a loss, and and if, and uh, what I want to kind of get at is, you know, when things go really well and something crazy happens, they look back on it and they call it like you know the shoestring catch game or the 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 one hander and the you know the touchdown touchdownception game if you say that you know everybody knows you're talking about Seattle Green Bay from a few years ago right so like when good crazy things happen that get the games get a nickname well for the Colts when you're this wired tight and when I say wired tight people are like what is that some dumb military term no it's like when you have your crap together you have your shit together like the Colts do top flight defense can really do whatever you want on offense. Right. That's a top, that's a really good football team. It, 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 every now and then you're just going to have these bad games, but what they really are, are, uh, last week here without T Y. And when, when you have T Y teams have to bracket, meaning, they have to keep a safety over the top or whatever side of the field that TY lines up on in addition to lining up a corner on that side. It effectively makes TY Hilton like a magnet. Wherever he goes, the defense has to sort of shift and you can basically run away from that a lot and you get you have the advantage, right? Um, you can run your plays away from away from TY and have an advantage all day because effectively two players are covering one guy. If you don't have that, it allows it basically shrinks the field to where if you really look at I, I would love to see, you know how you see the basketball charts, the shot charts and game. I would love to see where Philip Rivers was throwing the ball because it felt like he wasn't able to throw the ball in the middle of the field and that all everything was happening on the outside. And I have a feeling it's because, like I said, you shrunk the field when you don't have T.Y. You don't have somebody taking the top off the defense. Um, And the players the Colts have uh, playing in place of all of their injured receivers are more of a possession type receiver. They're just not as good an athlete when it really comes down to it. Um, So the the Colts are, like I said, just going to struggle without T.Y. So, you know, the loss to the Ravens, I'm pinning on, you know, the officials were not we're not having a cold like, win. Like and- seriously, that that was my other part when talking about that turnover, because the Marcus Peters turnover. If you watch that in real time, you go, oh yeah, that's an incomplete catch. A wide receiver comes down with that. It is an incomplete catch a hundred out of a hundred times. Like the, I I just I can't express how frustrated I am with the officiating this season, and especially when it comes to the Colts and how they have been. On any questionable call, and even these things like this past week with the Marcus Peters interception, that's not a catch. The dude right. never had control of the ball all the way down to the ground. If he did, he maybe had it for a second, right. and that's not long enough, period. And, and to have the NFL – when was the last time you had the NFL on the Sunday night football game? Talk about a call in an earlier game to try to sway public opinion – and try to convince people, oh, no, 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 we totally got this right the whole time. Right. You know, I have never, ever 
seen them bring up a a turn a replay challenge in the Sunday night game or the Monday night game from yep. an earlier game early in the day during the broadcast. Was that they, Al Riveron? No, yeah, well, probably Al Riveron was the one that that put it out on NFL the uh, Twitter handle at NFL officiating, and I commented, I was like, dude, you're a joke. Like you yeah. effectively like took away the pass interference thing on your own because you just refused to overturn anything the officials did and now shockingly he gets an opportunity and all he does is defends the officiating blindly and i think those calls go to him like goes to the officials in new york for replays challenges and so like i'm I'm not sure whether that's whether that's true or not whether they do go to him the fact is he went in there and gave his best argument but it's one of those things where like your somebody best argument's not good enough. <laughs> and well, it's some, somebody tells like you just see, um, say you see like a bird fly across, and somebody goes, "Oh, that's a duck." It was a blue bird. And you're like, "It's a duck." And you're like, "No, it's a blue. I just saw a blue bird go by. It was mm-hmm. blue." And they're like, "That's a duck." And you're like, "It's not a duck. No matter how many times you tell me that's a duck, it's not a duck." Right. Um, and so maybe it's a poor analogy, but you get my point. Yeah. No matter what, he was going to stick to whatever the officials called in that game, whether right. it was reviewed to him or whether it was the officials on the field. And I have yet to see him say online criticize officiating. And I think that is a detriment to the game of football and the NFL needs to fire him. Oh, absolutely. Because he shouldn't, he shouldn't be in a position. You should have somebody that is in that position that, will openly admit, hey, look, we make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, the point of replay is to get it right. The fact is that was called an incomplete pass on the field. The Ravens player didn't think it was a live ball, picked it up and tossed it to the officials. And so to sit there and say, oh, we saw clear and convincing evidence that that was a catch. And you're not supposed to be able to slow that down on replay. You're, they're not supposed to, at least. Right. They probably do. But oh yeah, you watch that live, and there's no way you think that's a catch. Period. I I'd said if you just zoom in on Marcus Peters' hands on the, the way down, the ball never stops. The ball never stops moving. The, and before it's out of his hands, like that, that's not a catch. That's not a catch if it's a receiver. And then I, I like I said, I I, I willfully ignore that moment. Saying, I never saw the the ball side of the um, Jonathan Taylor fumble. So while I know the interception was an interception, I also have it in the back of my mind where I'm like, I don't remember them doing that thing where they're like, is his knee on the ground when the oh, ball no, they, comes they out? Did. Like, yeah, it was, that one was it. that one was clear that that he fumbled and he was close. But it was one of those things where you saw the ball start to move and his knee was probably like three inches from the ground. So it, it was one of those where it was there was a clear one on that one. But but it, they did it really quick. And it was like, boom. Oh, yeah. Fumble done. And then to hear like to hear the commentators like we had like one of the better crews this week. Yeah. To hear the color guy just go. Yeah, I don't agree with you guys on that. And openly criticize the officiating when. Right. 
the these guys, these color guys, will sit there and will they're like Al Riveron to a point where they will only just like, well, you know, I totally see that. I guess you can see where they're coming from, and you know, they're saying that the call stands. So, like, ultimately, that's what should have been the call is that the call stands in that because there wasn't clear and convincing evidence that he caught the ball. Period. And to have the color guy sit there and go, yeah, you can say that all you want, but that I don't think that that was a catch. Right. Like and it that. wasn't and, it wasn't just the fumble and it wasn't just the interception either. There was the shot to Jack Doyle's chin. He's in concussion mm-hmm. protocol. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, that, was, yeah. that was that was that was the thing about yeah. it is if the call what was it Ju- was it Blackman? The Julian Blackman call if on Blackman Lamar Jackson. Call on Lamar Jackson. If that's illegal, was that illegal contact or roughing the No, pass? they no they called that targeting. Targeting. Um, that's targeting. If yeah, that because targeting, Julian Blackman. On that play, Julian Blackman lowered his head to go in, and then, and then Lamar Jackson lowered his head down further. So, right. like, Julian Blackman was square on the spot where he needed to be. And then Lamar Jackson, after his head, I guess you can say, oh, well, you know, that's fine. But you know, ultimately, Julian Blackman led with his head, hit Lamar Jackson's head. That is a targeting call. It sucks that it got made in that because Lamar Jackson was diving forward trying to get it. Right. and. He was Julian Blackman was trying to do the right thing. The fact is that same call or a very similar call wasn't called in the Colts' favor on that Jack Doyle hit later right. in the game. And it was much and, more blatant too, yeah, where you were like, where it was he totally to helmet. He helmet was launching area. himself at a, a defenseless mm-hmm. receiver that wasn't looking. And like, if you read the rules on what is a defenseless oh. receiver, he wasn't looking. He like had no ability to react and to that you shot at the all. Targeting call. You, you're exactly right. A target call is a launching or projection of your body upwards into a player that is considered defenseless, and you make contact with your head or shoulders or forearm with their head or neck area. Right. So That's for the record, exactly absolutely, absolutely was targeting. Um, the the guys on the broadcast were like, oh well, it looks like it might have been shoulder to shoulder, and then like you see it, and then they go, uh, <laughs> not so much. He got some. He got some. He got some of the face mask there, so you know that probably should have been called. And then like late in the game, you saw a a, a call against uh, or call that or a no call a, a no call where Philip Rivers, Rivers on that last it. pass. Yep. That last pass um, that went incomplete on that, I still don't understand why you would run a play action there when your running game hasn't been working all game. But incomplete pass, a guy goes up, tries to hit the ball, doesn't get the ball, hits Phillip Rivers square in the center of the head. Right. And it's not a call. And, and don't get me wrong, I hate that that is considered a penalty, uh, a roughing the passer penalty when they just make inadvertent contact with the, the quarterback's head. The fact is, that's the rule. They saw it. They didn't call it. And that bothers me a lot because it just seems like they were trying. And at that point, it really didn't – like, the game was kind of out of reach. The Colts' offense really was sputtering for the most part. So yeah. it would have made the game more interesting at that point, but I don't think it would have ultimately changed the outcome. Um, you know, and, and to kind of sum up my thoughts on this game, on, on the Ravens game, is the Colts didn't – Colts didn't really deserve to win this game based on how they played in the second half. Oh yeah. Um, you know, they, they were outplayed period. Oh, yeah. First of all, he gave up 17 points. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then you you put up zeros on offense. Uh, it's just unacceptable. And I also think, and these are my final thoughts on this game. And let's let's move on. Let's talk about Titans. Um, I think there comes a degree in a football game where after the shot on Jack Doyle, after uh, Nick Boyle, uh, cheap shots, Darius Leonard, uh, after, uh, you know, again, Jonathan Taylor had his first fumble uh, in, in 300 touches in eight games. And for the record, uh, one of Colts fans' favorite running backs of all time in Frank Gore uh, who's one of the best r- overall running backs of all time. Um, he had f- played for 15 years, and he has 46 fumbles. It's about three a year. So if Jonathan Taylor has a couple fumbles a year and averages the f- four or five yards, dude, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Like, don't worry about it. He's going to be fine. It was inopportune as hell. Same as that interception call, and then just a slew of bad calls. The worst part about that fumble is that it got returned for a touchdown. Right. Because if they they were able to tackle him, if they were able to tackle him, I don't think Baltimore scores. Right. They they were doing nothing that first half, and they were floundering on offense. So I don't think Baltimore scores if it's not returned for a touchdown there. And it just that that swayed a little bit of the momentum Colts kind of took it back mm-hmm. and, and the defense suffocated the Ravens again, the second yep. half that that interception just demoralized the team. Yep. And I think there, there comes a point in a game where you can't afford any more casualty and you just try to go out there and run your offense. Cause it, all things considered with the, with a two touchdown lead and the Colts get the ball back there late in the game and don't get into a hurry up offense they've effectively given up on this football game. Uh, and and it's a body language thing. And, of course, you're always trying to win on every play and score. you're trying to score on every play. Um, but, yeah, there was no we're trying to get out here and score in 30 seconds, try to get the ball back and make it happen again. That was They were just trying, trying to get through a series without losing a player. Um, and it really feels like, uh, for, it felt like for me, that it was a sort of a cut your losses uh, game uh, kind of a feeling there towards the end of that game. So of course, um, like we said, I'm just kind of a, one of those losses where the score is not really indicative of how competitive a football game is, but this week, this week we play the Titans. How are you feeling about well tomorrow now when, when this gets posted, yeah, today. today I feel I, a little bit better about this game. <laughs> I feel better about this game than I did against going into the Ravens game. Like, honestly. And, and like, here's the thing with the Titans is they've got a good defense. Um, you know, Jeffrey Simmons is a stud. I think he won AFC Defensive Player of the Week um, this past week. He was – Jeffrey Simmons was my defensive draft crush for the Colts in two years ago's draft in the 2019 draft. Like I wanted him so bad to fall to the Colts. Mississippi which, state injured. Yeah. Yeah. Mississippi yeah. state. He's a, he's a top five player in that draft class. We, and, yeah, and I, we talked about that on the podcast where we were like, man, 
if he weren't if he didn't have this injury oh he's a top is, five player period this, this is the i think what was the other guy and it was like you draft this guy or you draft this guy um and he ended up slipping a little bit um, yeah, Sim- if Simmons fell a little bit further, I could have actually seen Ballard trading up for him um, instead of trading back. Now, you know, obviously, obviously I'm glad they traded back because it allowed them to to get the Michael Pittman pick this past year. Um, and it gave them the flexibility to trade for DeForest Buckner. Although if they would have had Jeffrey Simmons, they wouldn't have traded for DeForest Buckner. I'm almost certain of that. Right. Um, so... Realistically, the Tennessee Titans cost the Colts Jeffrey Simmons and Henry Ruggs. No, I'm just, I don't know who they, who they would have taken at 13 overall. Probably a wide receiver, honestly, at 13 overall. Um, probably somebody like Jerry Judy or probably C.D. Lamb, actually. Um, but regardless, it is what it is. I really like the Titans, uh, certain Titans players. Yeah, um, I think their secondary is a little bit weaker than they've been in the past. Um, I think their offense, uh, I'll be interested to see what they do with it. Uh, obviously, it runs through Derrick Henry. Uh, and so you once again run strength on strength. Right. Um, because that is their bread and butter is is running Derrick Henry. And the Colts obviously have one of the best rushing uh, defenses in the league um, for good reason. And so if Derrick Henry can't get going, the Titans are done, period. Because Ta- Tannehill is not going to be able to to carry him back, I don't think. A.J. Brown's a great receiver, mm-hmm. um, but Tannehill, if you're able to just stop Derrick Henry with your front four, basically, and Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner have been commanding three to four offensive linemen every play which right. is exactly what you want from the interior of your defensive line. Right. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how the Colts offense comes out to play this week. I hope they open it up and try to do something. T.Y., based on the injury reports um, and how they would have projected him, was a full participant mm-hmm. um, all week. And so hopefully that's a good sign that they're going to have him back. I think they might have just sat him out this week just to give him a week off um, yeah. against the Ravens. There's there's a part of these 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 games and there's injury reports that I wonder if they kind of thought they might lose this game and so they were like all right let's go ahead and cut our loss right now let's give our guy an extra week to get ready for a division game that really means more right and kind of go from there so the Titans are what six and two six and so, two six and two beat Colts the Bears last three. week. Uh, 24-17. Yeah, you got that one right on our pick for sure. I, uh, uh, yeah. I thought the Bears defense would show up to play, and they did not. But the Titans have lost two of their last three games, mm-hmm. uh, including a double-digit loss to the Bengals, uh, who gave, I mean, gave the Colts a ball game as well. Um, but here's the, here's the the screws and nuts of it. I think these offenses are a lot more comparable than people are willing to give them credit for. Colts pass a little more, run a little less, um, but they're getting similar production. Um, they have similar production floors, uh, and I'd argue similar ceilings as long as, you know, if like T.Y. and A.J. Brown play, 
and Marlon Mack and Derrick Henry were playing, this would be an offensive juggernaut of a game. This would be a 70-point uh, uh, ball game. Um, but it, it, it isn't going to be primarily because the Colts' defense is the most legitimate it's been in at least a decade. Um, the Titans defensively are the most beatable they've been in a while. Um, if based on the way I, here's the way I, way I categorize a defense. What I do is I go to um, pro football reference and I sort relevant statistics for both offense and defense. And it kind of gives me an overall picture of a, of how a defense looks, for example, like uh, uh, yards per play, right? So if you're a team that gives up a bunch of yards, every time the opponent touches the ball, that's good for us. For the record, Colts are second in the NFL on defense. They give up a, less than five yards per play. Now, this isn't a rush or a pass. It's, it's the overarching, about five yards a play. Uh, the Titans, closer to about six yards a play. Um, and again, this is going the other direction, the Ravens. The Ravens are even tougher than the – just as tough as the Colts on defense. Um, in terms of turnovers um, – Titans have forced more turnovers than the Colts. Just one, though. Um, and then when you look, when I look at like things like interceptions, things like that, Titans have nine, Colts have eleven. So again, similar in that they force turnovers on defense. Um, and then I look at like score percentage, um, like what percentage you are to score against that defense. Again, Colts tops in the league, uh, and the Titans not bad, but they're in like the kind of that second quartile. Um, so again, not a, not a, what I would consider a top flight defense, um, but they do turn the ball over quite a bit. Um, so that's something you got to watch for. And that happens to work against <laughs> Philip Rivers, right? Who tends to be a little bit of a gunslinger, kind of a little loose to the football when he gets under pressure, like as you said. But real talk, this is a beatable defense, man. Yeah, that's true. So we'll kind of see what happens. And then, of course, offensively for the Colts, just got to be a, get a little more out of your run game, get a little deeper downfield when you pass that football, you know. And uh, <laughs> I noticed some things that are positives for the Colts. Um, the Colts don't miss tackles on defense. Uh, I've, if I... If I saw that, yeah, missed tackles. The Colts have uh, 27, which is the lowest in the NFL by 11 tackles. Uh, wow. New, England, New England Patriots, by the way, are the second. And then, of course, on the opposite end, uh, like the New York Jets, Carolina Panthers, Kansas City Chiefs are pretty bad tacklers, which, again, that's good. That's good knowledge to have in your back pocket, right, is seeing a, a playoff team and knowing that they're bad tacklers. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. And, and it really, really for uh, the Colts on the whole, this is a week where you really need a lot out of Phillip Rivers because the secondary is beatable. Uh, and not only is it beatable, 
but they're going to be without uh, Adderay Jackson. So in addition, in addition to being beatable, they're also not healthy. And then the Colts are getting T.Y. back. So you kind of see how that little ebb and flow works, right? Um, I love Jack Doyle. I think that he's uh, a great kind of a two-way tight end and that he blocks a lot, but he can get out there and catch passes too. Uh, probably used a lot more in the in the blocking game. Um, he's going to be out this week, but I'd argue you don't defend Jack Doyle nearly as, well, thoroughly as you would uh, T.Y. Hilton, right? Yeah, that's true. Don't have to worry near as much. Um course the Colts could be healthier on offense that would be awfully helpful <laughs> yeah seriously all of a sudden like Paris Campbell comes back Marlon Mack that'd be that great would, that would have been nice you know and but regardless of those, those things aren't gonna happen but here's what's gonna happen over the next five weeks I think just just like um Jacoby Phillip Rivers is on a bit of a tryout where You've sunk this big money into him for this year, but you're essentially evaluating him on would I re-sign him for what I would re-sign him for. Um, and I think, especially th- this week, this the next few weeks, but really about the next five weeks, Philip Rivers has a chance to Im- improve his standing in the NFL, because right now, frankly, in a lot of categories, he's sitting right where Jacoby was last year, about 20th in the NFL in a lot of categories. Um, and again, I, I have, I've been holding Philip Rivers water just like I did Jacoby Reset. And I said, you know, if you think about from the time he left the Chargers and came to Indianapolis, who has he thrown the ball to the most in a live action scenario? That's T.Y. Hilton. That's Paris Campbell. That's probably handed that ball off to Marlon Mack quite a bit, right? And none of those players have played a meaningful role in the Colts' offense this year. Well, so, I mean, you also taking the fact that he had, he didn't get any training camp time with these guys. Right. So, like, you, you didn't get that time in the offseason that you normally have there at the facility you're able to think because this is a different year. Right. And you have to kind of take that into effect. I'm not I'm not as worried about Philip Rivers, even though his throwing motion drives me insane. Oh, my um, God. It's the worst. Like, seriously, I'm like, oh, come on, man. I, I, wrote, I wrote that he, uh, <laughs> he shot puts the football like a nervous middle schooler. Um, he really does, yeah. It gets there, but most yeah. of the time. And it's fine. When he's trying to get the ball out quick, it looks great, right? But when he needs to wind up and huck one, it don't look good. You're like, like, I don't know if I would be doing that, actually. Don't throw it, don't throw it, don't throw it. Yeah. But, I mean, that just lets me know that, you know, um, it it goes without saying, uh, Philip Rivers completes uh, considerably... Uh, higher percentage of his passes uh, than Jacoby did. Uh, he li- is a little more apt, turn the ball over, but I th- his average depth of target is just deeper, and his his effect uh, on the offense. Feels- I mean, Colts are like 41% to score on a possession. 
Um, so I get it. You know, Colts are five and three. A lot of people are uh, pulling their hair out. Uh, but I, I want to be the voice of calm for you. I know the world's crazy right now. But the Colts are better than their record. They have a very, what on paper doesn't look great. You know what I mean? If you really look at it, you're like, dang, the Colts got to play the Packers and the, and the Titans twice and the Steelers like, and the Ravens. Like that's, that's five weeks of that's tough. Well, here's the thing. Actually, over the next five weeks, the Colts, uh, the best secondary they play against is ranked 18th. And that's the, that's the Steelers. Here's hoping they can they can put something together on it. So the, the Titans are in the mid-20s in, in meaning, every meaningful category. Uh, I've got them as the 21st ranked pass defense. Uh, that bodes well for teams struggling in the past in that area. And here's what you do. I've just, oh, I don't know. I have I have to announce this on this podcast, by the way. I put it on uh, LinkedIn, and people have already started messaging me about it. Um, I finally kind of, I realize I put it out there. I have the time to do this now. Um, I want to get into coaching. Um, and what you do when you look, when you've got all this data, and you say, "Hey, they're the they're the 21st ranked pass defense," you put that pass defense to work. Yeah. And so what well, and you, this is what, what you, Bill Belichick does is he finds what the weakness is and he just attacks that weakness. And what this means, this does not mean get gadgety. That's not what I'm saying. This means you run basic concepts, you keep it simple, stupid, and you destroy your opponent because they're inept. Not, not, not you burn them and we're we're not doing flea flickers and we're not we're not doing we're not we don't need to do that. You keep it simple. We're not trying to turn the ball over. We're not putting this thing at risk. We're gonna be precise. And by being precise against a lax defense that is undermanned, you win football games by just throwing daggers. Right, you just you just got to put and the ball. You just Rivers put a catchable ball. At, he is, he is. And so, what the focus this week is, you know, I I like the idea of running against air, so that you can just go full speed and minimize injury. And so, if I'm Philip Rivers, it would be great to project a hologram of a defense onto a field. That way your offense gets to run at full speed and doesn't have to worry about like your crappy scout team defense. No offense, guys, like getting injured. You don't want those guys getting injured when your offense is trying to run plays full speed. Um, But it'd be cool to like project an image on the field and have them kind of shadow them. So the quarterback's sort of seeing a defense, right? And throwing, but I want full speed throws like the problem the Colts have had is they're trying to design pass plays like most teams design run plays right where if you Mm -hmm. just you just acknowledge the Colts need to acknowledge that they are not a run first team the 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 Colts are a spread offense and when you're a spread offense it it lends itself to being up tempo to no huddle and in my opinion, when the Colts aren't doing things like that, 
it tells me that they they're in, they're they're expecting to be in a tight contest and they want to maximize the time they have with the football so here's a little a clue for you tomorrow if you see the Colts go up tempo early you ought to smile and think about me cuz i told you told you it's a beatable defense go up tempo put them down 21 nothing in the first quarter like cincinnati did to us right beat up on our lax coverage well, and um, if you do that, you effectively mitigate Derrick Henry's uh, right. You take away their greatest the asset, game. right? Because if you go up early and, and you can stay ahead, like if you go up twenty-one zero in the first quarter, yeah, okay, they're still going to be able to run. But if they're they haven't caught back up in the second half, they're going to have to abandon that run, and that's their best player. Derrick Henry is the best player on that team. I mean, right. I know some people will say that Javon Kerr, or. Uh, Davion Clowney is, but um, you know it's it's really Derrick Henry. <laughs> and yeah, I Derrick Henry is one of those players where you don't want him to run roughshod on your team because they're just going to keep giving him the ball. They they, they don't even mm-hmm. care. That thirty forty don't matter. He'll come out there, and for, you know for some reason, not only was he blessed with size and speed and strength he also has pretty good stamina a guy actually can play the yeah. whole game and he's he just like oh my god like, he weighs 285 one of the pounds of guys, yeah. <laughs> one of the handful of guys where i'm like all right like you all are pretty big and scary but that's one dude where i'm like yeah i don't feel very confident even trying to bring you down period yeah he definitely he's definitely one of those players that that stresses you out but yeah, um, the the good news here for the Colts, like I said, and and that's kind of what we need to be focusing on is where can we win? Um, clearly, you can win. Um, really, you could do it um, on the ground as well. Um, Titans aren't great uh, at rush defense, giving up about four and a half yards a carry. Uh, they're in the third quartile, so they're not again, not great um, against the run. So this this is a this is a week where defensively you're not in the same ballpark, but like offensively you have similar ceilings, right? So it's it should be a Colts win on account of they're going to be able to limit what Tennessee does on offense. And then the Colts should be able to do pretty much whatever they want on defense. But that's been their problem um, has been red zone scoring. Um, You know, it's not, it's not, they're not able to move the ball and get into, get into a groove on offense. Um, Several of the games we've watched the Colts this year, march down the field can, you know, take it to the house from, you know, from anywhere. Again, obviously, they're missing their between-the-20s guys, uh, the guys that can score from between-the-20s uh, and Paris Campbell and uh, and T.Y. But obviously, getting T.Y. back is a big deal. Um, it's going to stress this defense out. Uh, obviously, you'd like to see T.Y. get as much playing time as possible uh, within reason. Um, but, yeah, I think... Uh, I think the the Colts are in a good spot here. I think it'll be a good game. 
I'm not going to say that it's, you know, feel super confident about it either way. Um, you know, I think that their Colts defense really kind of puts them in a good spot to be able to win this game mm-hmm. uh, because the Russian de- the Colts Russian defense has been great all year. Yeah. And, and there's no, there's no reason to believe that, you know, Derrick Henry is going to give them any more uh, trouble than he has. Um, I mean, if you look, let me, let's actually look, I'm going to do that real quick. You, chat for a second here i want to look at the games last year oh okay so just riff off right now okay uh, so this one time uh, <laughs> no so yeah I, i'm thinking about this game and saying all right this cold strength is their defense defensive line um and you know if you can effectively neutralize derrick henry then you're going to put yourself in a good position because the colts uh, and also take a look at this in um or consider this the Colts defensive line has also been getting a lot of really good pressure on quarterbacks without having to rush or without having to blitz. And so if you're able to effectively neutralize the run on your way to the quarterback, that is the best possible case scenario you want for a defensive line. And the Colts have done that relatively effectively this year to the point that if they're able to do that again this week, you're going to put pressure on Tannehill and you're going to see a, 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 you're going to see some interceptions go. You're going to see the Colts defense getting an opera, uh, a position to be able to make some turnovers that could really flip the, the script in this game. Because one thing that I, I haven't liked about Frank Reich's play calling in the past handful of weeks is he's been playing it very conservatively. And mm-hmm. th- that's fine to do that and rely upon the defense, but you have no margin for error. And obviously what happened this past week you had a fumble return for a touchdown on offense, and then you had an interception that shouldn't have been an interception, but gave the, the Ravens a short field, uh, and they were able to score a touchdown. That's your 14 points right there, how much you lose by 14 points. You have no margin for error when you call a conservative game plan. And, and Frank Reich now for the past handful of weeks has been saying, all right, I feel like my defense can keep me in this game. I feel like the defense can win me this game. So my goal is to not turn the ball over. My goal is to not make a mistake. And when that is your goal and your goal is not to win the game and score points, then that's where I think there's a little bit of an issue. And so I'd like to see the Colts open it up a lot more in offense. I think Philip Rivers can handle it. You saw him handle it in the past uh, when they've had to come back against the the Bengals. Um, you've seen him handle it when the, the Jets game, the Vikings game, when they kind of open things up and just let him play. He was able to make them pay, and I would love for them to go ahead and continue to do that and really put the game in Philip Rivers' hands. If, if you're not confident in Jonathan Taylor, if you're not confident in Jordan Wilkins, I'm not confident in Neem Hines, uh, which I have no idea why Neem Hines wasn't really used this week, um, this past week against the Ravens. I think that was an egregious You're trying to error. keep him fresh. I, I, whatever it is, I thought it was dumb. Um, yeah, I understand Because that. he's their he's their most versatile weapon on that offense right now. And my thing, my thing is, do you know, you can beat them? Do do you know that the Colts can beat the Ravens? I would, I mean, I thought they could have, but again, so if I know I can beat you and I know there's a chance I'm going to see you in the playoffs, I'm, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not giving Heinz the ball. I'm not. I'm put, not putting Mo Ali Cox in, in in harm's way. You already 
bit you already bit Jack Doyle's head off. You already tried to take Darius Leonard out of the game. Why don't we just minimize all contact, try to just get out of here, spread the ball around, keep us in it, see if we can make a run at it late, you know? And then, like I said, when the Colts got the ball back late in the fourth quarter, I it was right there about four minutes. I was like, oh, no, they're not trying to win this game. They're trying to get out of here. It's like they're trying to escape. And it I understand was odd that. to see them not I understand. Over, yeah. And here's the thing. Here's how important, if anybody wondered, I'm sure that – ESPN will start calling me and be like, Jared, we need you to come on here because stuff like this is really cool. So while you were sitting here riffing, I was going through trying to come up with a meaningful way to explain how important it is to stop Derrick Henry. And I figured it out. Are you ready? I I don't know. It's going to blow my mind. For the last two years, if Derrick Henry rushes for 75 or more yards, the Tennessee Titans are 13 and three. That's pretty good. So the impetus on the Colts is must shut down Derrick Henry. It's not a it's not a can you do that or we should really do that. It's absolutely must. He must spend as much time as possible on the sideline, which means you not only do you got to shut him down, you got you got to put him out, not like hurt him, but you got to. You gotta put him. You gotta, on take, you gotta effectively take him out of the game by. You gotta make early. You gotta score, which isn't really the Colts' mo. Um, but if there's if there's a defense that you could do that against, it is Tennessee's defense. You could come out firing, get up on them quick, and put them on the back foot. And and Derrick Henry isn't great for you when you need to score real quick. He's good when it, you just want to grind some clock and, and you, you want to have a, a long 10-minute drive. But you get down uh, – you know, I've been saying this for a while. You get down a couple scores in the NFL, that run game goes out the window. Mm-hmm. You're, you're looking to score, score quick, get the ball into scoring range quickly just to stem the bleeding um, because – there's a statistic related to every, you know, the percentage chance you win versus every minute you're losing. Uh, obviously, because you're you're running out of time and you're you're still behind, so statistically you're less likely to win. Right? It's not a hard concept to explain, but the, again, the reality here for the Colts is while just in a couple, it didn't even take much, right? While Stephen Reed was t- yapping there for a second. I went through and looked by game by game, going going all the way back to through last year, and said, "Wow, 13 and three. If the guy rushes for 75 or more yards across like 25 games, so he, basically he runs for 75 or more yards in 16 of 25, or about 16 of no, that's a lie. 16 of 36." So, I mean, about half the time, he's good for about 75 yards. And they're winning fo- a lot of football games as a result. And, of course, they're winning games where he doesn't rush for 75. And they're losing games where he rushes for 100-plus. But the overall theme of their offense is that big old Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, and that's the thing is... If the Colts can stop Derrick Henry, that's probably going to be the ball game. Yeah, like, yeah. It's and, really, it really is that simple. And the Colts have a really good defense, so you could see them 
making that happen. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I think you know we're. And it's not I, that I think the Colts Colts have a have a legitimate shot opportunity even on a short week, even going down to Tennessee, which is still frustrating to me that they Colts don't get a home game on a Thursday night and haven't gotten a home game on Thursday night for like the past five years. I don't think um, maybe longer, but that that frustrates me. But this is going to be the best opportunity that Colts have to get a win on Thursday night. Um, you know, the fact that it's a division game, they're going to be hyped for it. Um, and so I, I'm excited for the game itself. I, I think the Colts have a pretty decent shot for tomorrow night. Tonight. Yeah. Tonight, right? Yeah, and it, it, one of the things, um, you know, you got if you you know if you're gonna spend a lot of time talking about uh, Derek Henry, you got to talk a little bit about Ryan Tannehill. Um, obviously, the 19 touchdowns, the three interceptions, really sticks out for you. Um, his completion percentage uh, a little lower than than Philip Rivers, so gonna be a lot of dead balls. Uh, tomorrow, which again that plays into the Colts' hands, um, and 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 that's part of part of being able to look look at data and say, oh, that's you know that's interesting. Here we've got uh, uh, the possibility here, but but he's Ten Hill's making he's making his money, that's for sure. He's six and two, which again I, one of the things uh, we need to get used to saying get used to kind of admitting uh, team wins are not a QB stat. So uh, Titans are winning on the back of Derrick Henry and a decent overall team, decent coaching is they're a decent football team. This decent to me is a nine, 10 win team. Hey, they were nine and seven in a playoff team last year. They're six and two this year, looking like another 10, about a 10 win team, Um, but a very beatable uh, even more beatable than they were last year. Colts split those games uh, and kind of did it in an odd fashion. Last year, Colts went down to Nashville and won 1917, then got their butt kicked at home later on in the season. Uh, just want to throw that out there. But there's something to think about. Philip Rivers is five and three. Uh, I think that every game Philip Rivers does. A handful of things I don't think very many other people can do, and then does a few boneheaded things that I think no one should do. And I, I think the goal, if you're just trying to get one percent better every week, is to get a little more of the good stuff out of Philip and, and just a touch less of that dumb stuff uh, that you'd be seeing. Um, and 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 it's, it has a lot to do with like as I've said of getting that, that happy feet when the play breaks down and you know we can't we haven't quite put the perfect quarterback specimen together yet but we just want one that throws the ball away Stephen Reed. Yeah, all i want to do stop with that shenanigans throw it on throw it up. to the sideline like just just huck it to coach reich my bad dog and and line back up because too often first first of all we call it a hanger but you don't you don't want to ever see a quarterback get hit where he's holding onto the football above his head. Right? Mm-hmm. And Philip Rivers does this. It, it's something you could literally make a football like a, a football sports card and it would be Philip Rivers in the clutches of a defender and he's not throwing the ball, he's just got his big old hands around the ball, like holding it, 
like an eagle would clutch a small rat, right? Like he's not really um, deft uh, with the ball when it breaks down. He's not pitching it. He's not flipping it. He's not doing none of that. Uh, He's flailing around uh, as though he's being hung from a mast, uh, just hoping to get kind of softly laid onto the ground. Uh, because of course you, you can't have a guy his age, you know, at 39 years old, you can't have him taking big hits. And that's mm-hmm. part of the reason he came to Indianapolis is this offensive line, um, it has done wonders in pass protection, uh, in case anyone wondered, uh, as if it wasn't passing the eyeball test, uh, Philip Rivers has only been sacked, uh, seven times. Uh, was one, say, of, he, he, one of the least touched players in the NFL sunk, and doesn't get hit very often either. Yeah. So he, uh, so uh, in spite of the, the Colts offensive line being kind of not great in run this year, they have been beyond fantastic in pass blocking. Oh, for certain. And what that's, what's that, uh, what that has allowed Philip Rivers to do, uh, is, go through his progressions and hit the correct uh, receiver more often. Um, So I get it. The record's the same, but to me, the Colts feel more stable than they did last year where I could legitimately see the Colts. I hate to say it. It makes, you know, it doesn't feel good at five and three to say we could easily be eight and oh, this could, this could Mm -hmm. easily be an eight and oh football team. Um, you can't do anything about injuries. You can't do anything about the officiating. All you can really control, um, is what happens when you have the football. And again, I feel like here's, here's an angle that I don't think we've really talked about yet with this Colts team. I think there, there's, there's, um, um, in game coaching and then there's planning. And I think the Colts are great at planning. And I think the Colts need to improve at in-game coaching. And I see a football game as more of like an amorphous blob that you, you can try to say that is a rhombus and plan for a rhombus. But the reality is you actually get there and you're in deep in the second quarter and you're thinking... Uh, this is an rhombus, huh? There is more like an amorphous blob where you really don't know what's going on. Players get injured. Um, uh, the opposing offense is struggling with a member of your defense, so they decide to double team. Um, you know, when you're pass rusher, that changes how you call plays. Um, you you feel like the Colts. I, I I feel like the gripe has been, you know, this offense feels anemic. Uh, it feels like they're, they're they're where are the good plays, right? Like it feels like they're using all their dumb plays. Um, the the reality I think has a lot more to do with availability uh, and the and the overall health of of our team. And as the season goes on, it comes down to balancing winning and exposing. Uh, one, exposing your skill players to injury, and two, uh, exposing these plays that you know will work too early. Um, 
And then when you try to use it again, the team's ready for it. Um, but like I said, I think with a with a veteran quarterback uh, like Philip Rivers, I think the Colts are just and we're just need we need a stretch of games like this against a weak secondary. I think Stephen just to, yeah, they need to get something going and just to get the confidence up. Yeah, because if you want to win in the playoffs, you got to really be able to do it all, right? Um, got to be able to run at will. Got to be able to pass at will. Really comes down to you know. You don't want to have a bunch of negative plays in a run game. You don't want to have dead ball situations uh, frequently in the pass game, right? So, because the one leads to the other, right? When you have a, a first round, your first down, you know, run for no for you know one or two or less yards. Uh, on second and eight, your inclination is to run because your opponent expects you to pass, right? But now, you know, it's kind of funny that to hear it every week. Um, feels like the Colts uh, run and second and long every time. For the record, they don't. They actually are way better than the rest of the NFL on about running on second and long. Um, but when you do decide to pass there, the problem with passing on second and long is if that pass is incomplete. Not only did you stop the clock, which means you're giving the opponent the ball back sooner, but you're now you're in third and very long. And what do we know, right? As as football fans, what do we know about third and third and seven or longer? It's got about a 10% chance that you're actually going to convert, right? So I think that this the notion right what we just went through mentally sets up well for the Colts tonight in that their staunch run defense is going to put the Titans in bad down and distance situations where they're forced to do things they don't want to do right mhm they don't have they don't have the speedsters. They've got decent weapons. I I can't think of their. I'm trying to think who their tight end would be. Uh, I don't think they've really got a. a I think you, you know Jared Cook's done and gone. I'm trying to think who who their tight ends are. I just can't think of a, a Tennessee tight end that's like making a bunch of noise. You know what I mean? So like they they've got. Derrick Henry, the focal point of their offense, and then they've got Hollywood Brown, right? Yeah. So they're pretty much a two well, dog. No, Hollywood Brown is. It's or no, AJ that's Brown. it's AJ Brown. Yeah. Hollywood Brown's in a Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they've got uh, a great uh, wide receiver. Uh, uh, wide receiver that you you wish the Colts had, right? It's one of the one of the areas in in which you want to see improvement out of the Colts. The thing about the Colts wide receivers is that when that room is healthy, they're deep and dangerous. They're not nearly as dangerous without Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton. Um, 
as a, as a tandem. That's going to, that's going to be a dynamic duo or, or had the potential has the potential. Uh, we'll kind of see what happens, but um, now with, with T Y back. Uh, and, so this will be, I don't know how much this has happened, but the Colts could have T Y Pittman. DeMichael. It's DeMichael Harris, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. That they so can use to, to to take Paris Campbell's role, right? And then Mo Ali Cox, Naheem Hines. There's your five, six pass catchers. Probably see some Marcus Johnson, some Zach Pascal, but um really think there's like I said, there's there's a good chance the Colts go over four hundred yards of offense tomorrow. Um it could could very well be one of their better offensive outputs and and all all that said, Stephen, what do you say we go through our NFL pick'em and get out of here for the for the day? Yeah, that sounds sounds like a plan. All right. So hey, uh, even though the Colts play tomorrow, we'll save them for last, right? Okay. And then. Sunday, 1 o'clock, Houston Texans play at the Cleveland Browns. Who you got, brother? I will take the Cleveland Browns in this game. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, Houston's in a tailspin. That's about all we need to say about that, right? They the... almost lost this week, didn't they? <laughs> this last week to, like, the Jag- Jaguars? Yes. 27-25. The... Washington football team plays at the Detroit Lions. Who do you think wins that game? No one. Um, <laughs> not even the people in attendance, my not man. Not the fans. Not Nobody. the fans. The Lions um, win because Kyle Allen bro- uh, dislocated his ankle last week. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I would probably pick the Lions in this game. I, th- I want to say it's Alex Smith v. Um, Matt Stafford. I'd take Stafford. Yeah. Um, the Jaguars play at the Packers. I think the Packers win Packers. that game. Yeah. Yeah. The Eagles play at the Giants. I think the Eagles win that Eagles. game. Eagles. The Tampa Bay Bucks play at the Carolina Panthers. I think the Buccaneers win that game on the road. What do you think? Uh, yeah. I think the Bucks do, but I, I think it's going to be closer than people, people yeah. might think. Agree. Uh, no CMC for Carolina, though. Uh, oh, really? The, yeah. Uh, the Broncos play at the Raiders. Um, I will take the Raiders in that game. Yeah, Denver. I I, I try not to be the guy that I know we talk a lot about injuries, but I try not to woe is us. We're the only ones going through it. Because if anyone's going through it... Denver got slammed this year. Denver has it real bad. Locke, Sutton, Miller. They're top three players. Yeah, they're They're three best players. (laughs) They're all done. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think the Raiders get the better better of them. Uh, And then, how about game of the week? And I'm saying it with a straight face and also laughing as I say it. The Chargers play at the Dolphins. And that's like a good football game. Could be a like, legitimately good football game, yeah. Two of, it's really two weird of to Herbert. It's you really never got weird to, to say it. that, but you're right that that is a legitimately could be a legitimately good football game. That's a good football game. Who you got? 
Uh, I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the Dolphins. Yeah, I kind of I'm inclined to agree. Uh, but here's why for me. Rookie quarterback on the road against like a comparable team. It's just a recipe for disaster, kids. It's not personal. Just reality, right? And then uh, the Buffalo Bills play at the Arizona Cardinals. Hey, what do you know? Back-to-back real good games. Uh, I'll take the Bills in this game. Agree. Uh, Primarily, uh, coaching and defense for me is what takes the Bills uh, over the top. Otherwise, quarterbacks, comparable weapons, both got them. Um, The Seahawks play at the Rams. Who do you think wins that game? Uh, I will go with the Rams. I don't know, man. I I have a feeling Seattle gets a win on the road. I mean, Seattle's defense is a wet paper bag, though. <laughs> I was going to say, Seattle's defense isn't great, and Aaron Donald can just destroy Seattle's offensive line by himself. And yeah. He might literally pick up all of the offensive linemen and carry them back into Russell Wilson. Yeah, a lot of text messages going to Russell Wilson. What are you doing this weekend? And he replies, LOL, running for my life. Um, Seriously, yeah. And then the 49ers play at the New Orleans Saints. Who do you think wins that game? Uh, I'm going to go with the Saints. I really like what they did last week. Oh, yeah. I think they're going to keep that that train going. You know, the, this they beat Tampa Bay, and it's the first – I think there's only been like two other times in Brady's entire career uh, that a team has swept the season series or beat him twice in a season. Yep. Um, I think the Colts were one of them, one of those games. I think the Jets was another one for whatever reason. Uh, Drew Brees is also like five and two or six and two against Tom Brady. It's that's a relevant statistic that could also be relevant in the future. Those 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 two teams could see each other in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I believe it. And I'm I'm inclined to agree with you. I think New Orleans uh, very difficult to beat at home. Again, we we bring up frequently how important it is to have home field advantage, even without fans. It's by the way, three hundred dollars to go to that game, 49ers at Saints, three hundred ten dollars. And then uh, the Bengals play at the Steelers, decent little AFC North matchup. Uh, I will take the Steelers in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Again, veteran quarterback at home. Ravens, uh, Sunday Night Football. Ravens uh, travel to New England, play the Patriots. I think we both know who wins that game. Ravens. The Patriots right. are a dumpster fire, and I love it. Yes. I, uh, I don't know about you, but I find myself uh, the most refreshed and hydrated off of the tears of Patriots. Yeah. And then on Monday Night Football, (laughs) the Minnesota Vikings play at the Chicago Bears. Who do you think wins that game? Uh, I'm going to go the Vikings. They've been playing well recently, so I think that they're probably starting to put things together and figuring things out. Yeah, and that's the the problem with Chicago has been uh, squarely – uh, at the quarterback position, um, I've said for a while, I felt like the quality of wide receiver in Chicago um, is high. And as a result, 
when you're um, only putting up uh, 17 points and losing to the likes of Tennessee. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in you. Uh, when I feel like Minnesota felt like they had enough weapons to get rid of uh, Stefan Diggs, um, and I think that means they still have enough uh, to go Monday night and into Soldier Field and get a win. So I'll take I'll take Minnesota as well. And then of course Atlanta, Dallas, Kansas City, and, and the Jets are all on uh, by this week. And hey, wouldn't you know it? In about uh, 18 hours, that's a lie. About 19 hours, uh, the Colts will play the Tennessee Titans in Nissan Stadium. Uh, for the record, Titans are a one-point favorite. Who do you think wins it? I think the Colts win it by three. I should say by two because that's what Vegas pretty yeah. much kind of thinks that the Colts, Colts yeah. will win by two. So I'm going to set it up for you. Back and forth football game. Nobody's happy. Colts win, kick field goal, uh, to take the lead late um, and, and just escape with a win. Um, to I believe this would tie them uh, in the division. Both it teams would. would be six and three. Or, and and the uh, Colts would have the head-to-head. Uh, the Colts would be first place because they'd have the head-to-head wins. Right. I believe. So this is this is a full this is a full game gain on the Titans. This is one one of those games you gotta win. And if the, if the Colts can if the Colts can win this game and the next game against the Titans, they effectively take a two game lead in the division because they would hold the the head to head record on the season. Well, there you go. And that and that's really what you're after. If you're the Colts, you know they they talk about going one and zero every week and one percent ever one percent better every day, but the reality is, you just gotta win this football game, and you're in so much better of a spot than if you lose it. That it is sort of the difference between. Us being the AFC South champion, right? Who wants that banner, right? Not I. And getting a bye or getting a home game in a playoffs. And if you just think about right now, Colts are three and one at home. What is what does that mean? That means they're two and two on the road. So even eight games into a season, you can already see the Colts would much rather play at home, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to play at home, got to win division games on the road, especially against your division leader, especially because not only would you gain the division lead, but you then you'd get a game up because you've, you've beat this team head-to-head. Um, so there's a lot riding on this game, Stephen Reed. Yeah. And, and with that said... As oh, let me get my score prediction. Go ahead, go ahead. I believe this game will be a 2017 game, Colts win. 2017. Okay. I think it's a little a little higher scoring game. I'm gonna say like a 27-24. Uh, Colts. And then to get us out of here, hey. 
Um, you want to follow the podcast at Pod Pancake on Twitter. You want to follow myself at Likely Alien, Stephen Reed at Nice Reed, R E E D, Steve, on the Twitter machine. Uh, we'd love to have you. Make sure you rate our podcast five stars wherever you get it. And to get us out of here, hey, COVID-19 is a real big deal. Got to wear a mask. And I want to say something real quick. Do it. Happy Veterans Day to everybody. Jared is a veteran. want to thank him for his, for his service to our country. And uh, that let him know that we love you. Hey, thank you, uh, Semper Fi. All our veterans. Oh, yeah. Love, love my brothers and sisters uh, in service. Um, you know, I was in the Marine Corps. I love the Marine Corps. Uh, love my fellow veterans. Uh, you know, we give it, a lot of vets give, our, give each other a hard time. But when it comes down to it, anybody got the stones to say my life for this country is good in my book. Um, and I think uh, any anybody willfully giving their life to their country and just saying uh me for all of us my kind of people um so yeah i appreciate you steven um happy veterans day please just wear a mask that's all you know there ain't no it's going to be a long winter if you don't Uh, i'll just leave it at that wear a stinking mask take care of yourselves and we'll see you after this week's games enjoy the games this week